This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's been just over a year since Brooke Jenkins became San Francisco's district attorney. Mayor Lyndon Breed appointed her following the bitter recall of Chesa Boudin, and then San Francisco voters elected her to finish his term. Many angry residents blamed Boudin for the rise of crime in the city, and Jenkins was seen as a tougher alternative. She promised to shut down San Francisco's open-air drug markets and crack down on rampant property crime. But what has that tougher stance looked like in practice? Over the past year, her office has filed more charges in violent property and felony narcotics cases and secured convictions in more drug cases. At the same time, the DA's office under Jenkins has sent fewer defendants to diversion programs, meaning more cases resulting in jail or prison time, something that opponents have said is returned to the ineffective policies of the war on drugs. This week, Chronicle reporter St. John Sinjin Barnard-Smith had a chance to sit down with Jenkins to hear in her own words what she believes she's managed to accomplish in her first year. He'll tell us about that conversation and why Jenkins said this when she was asked whether she would have done anything differently in the past year. When I look back, um, all I see is things to celebrate uh, because we've come a long way. I don't see as far as policy or otherwise um, anywhere that I would have made a specifically different decision on how to address a certain issue or how to go about working with others in this city to get the job done. Sinjin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, Sinjin, let's get into the conversation you shared with Jenkins earlier this week. She's had quite a job, especially in this past year, as San Francisco has come under such national scrutiny around issues of crime and safety. And it's fair to say, you know, San Francisco has an image problem right now. What did Jenkins make of that kind of scrutiny from critics? Yeah, so that was actually one of the very first questions that I asked. Anytime something bad in San Francisco happens, uh, it becomes this kind of national story, right? And all of those stories right now seem to be about how it's it's not a safe place. So I asked her, what did critics get right and what do, what do critics get wrong about San Francisco? And, and what she told me was that there is a misconception out there that San Franciscans don't care about public safety. Of course, we are progressive. We are liberal. We believe in second chances and have a lot of compassion for people who are struggling. But what, one thing that I think is clear right now is that this is a city that understands public safety has to be of paramount priority. And I think that's the misnomer that's out there right now is that we are a, fitty, a city full of residents and public officials that don't stand for public safety. At the same time, she did say she kind of understands why people have that perception. What I think they get right is that we have struggled more recently with um, brazen lawlessness, um, that we have had a climate where people felt that there were no consequences for their actions. And so I think those types of stories are accurate. But I do believe that anytime now something high profile happens, that 
particularly the Republican narrative, the far right narrative has been to exploit these incidents, just like Bob Lee's murder, in order to paint us as a city that embraces lawlessness. Much of your conversation with Jenkins was focused on how she's managing the city's drug crisis. I mean, it makes sense. It's top of mind for so many residents. And one of the biggest promises that she made on the campaign trail was to clean up San Francisco's open-air drug markets. How has she assessed her work on that front? Jenkins told me she felt like she's made pretty good strides in that area. The progress that we've made is that we've almost doubled the number of cases filed um, this year that this office filed last year. We filed over 800 uh, felony narcotics dealing cases in the last year uh, versus a number in the 400s in the prior year. Governor Newsom has called for and deployed some California Highway Patrol troopers. And then, you know, more recently, the sheriff deployed um, dozens of deputies to help out with po- policing the tenderloin and kind of dealing with some of these issues. When Brooke Jenkins talked to me about that issue, she talked about increased collaboration with these various entities that she deals with. That was something she was proud of. I frequently walk to work from my house. And every day uh, when I do that, I end up walking through the tenderloin. So I, I just asked Brooke Jenkins, okay, what is success in the tenderloin look like for you? What's a win there? Brooke Jenkins said that success would basically involve a situation where you didn't have a lot of dealers on one side of the street and a bunch of people passed out. Do I think we're going to eradicate all drug dealing? No, I don't. I'm realistic. But what we see now, which is that you can't even walk down the street without having multiple drug dealers on one side and having to wonder, is that person alive or dead laying on the concrete? Um, That is unacceptable. And we need to be making strides to get these spaces more livable. Um, And I want to see fewer dealers on our streets. Now, speaking of drug dealing, at the same time, Sinjin, there's been a ton of concern about criminalizing people who are struggling with addiction and need help. How did she respond to critics who say that approach is just a revival of the war on drugs, which really hasn't been successful? Brooke Jenkins basically told me that she felt like the criminal justice system was a tool in a very limited arsenal right now of helping get people into treatment. Most of these people are going to have to be assisted into treatment services. That requires them to detox so that they can actually think clearly and make uh, an informed decision for their lives. I don't believe that the criminal justice system is going to be the primary fix for this. I do believe, however, that we play some role. You know, one thing that we've seen uh, from the city, they'll have these press conferences about these various operations. Mayor Breed talks about how many people were offered services and how none of the people ended up taking the city up on that offer. Her office can use the criminal justice system or the threat of criminal charges as a way to try to get people to play ball. So oftentimes that is how we propel people, is that they are they would rather choose treatment than something else, um, which is much different than simply the outreach that takes place on the street where you're just asking someone, would you like to voluntarily go to treatment? That's the point at which their body and their minds are completely focused on their next fix. 
The Chronicle published this really major investigation this week that looked into the supply side of the city's drug crisis and its connection to Honduras, where many of the city street drug dealers are from. It's getting a lot of strong reactions. Some are applauding the depth of the reporting, while others are pretty critical of its approach. What was Jenkins's thoughts? Has she read it? I interviewed Jenkins the day after that story came out. And it was really interesting because this kind of highlights the differences between her predecessor and her current tenure, right? Chessie Boudin talked about a lot of these dealers as being victims of human trafficking, right? My colleagues, Megan Cassidy and Gabrielle Lurie, did this extensive 18-month investigation, which really looked at who was dealing drugs in the Tenderloin. There's a pretty high percentage of those dealers are Honduran, and they all come from a pretty small area in the country of Honduras. And the vast majority of them are, in fact, not trafficked. For Jenkins, it was like kind of a validation of the argument that she and the more law and order prosecutors have been making. It certainly provides us additional information for which we can pursue investigations of our own um, for things that we can use in court. Should we be able to prove that somebody has built a home in Honduras using funds that they have made from illegal drug sales here? I think that that would dispel some of the argument that they've been trafficked because most trafficking victims don't get to retain their profits. If a jury hears that, I think it would be compelling. Brooke Jenkins dismissed three high-profile cases against San Francisco police officers who shot people on duty. Where does she stand on issues of police accountability? Sinjin will share after a quick break. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Sinjin, let's turn to another issue that many San Franciscans are really concerned about. Crimes like smash-and-grab car thefts and garage break-ins. What did Brooke Jenkins say is the main problem when it comes to curbing those kinds of crimes? She was basically making the case that we need more proactive policing, more surveillance cameras. When Jenkins was talking about just how quickly these crimes can occur, right, she said, unless there's a police officer right there, you know, in many of these cases, you're just not going to have any positive resolution. I will say that the police department has stepped up abatement operations in this space of, of particularly auto burglary and catalytic converter theft. And we are seeing some success. That's where they are undercover and surveilling certain areas and they can catch people in the act. That's what we need more of. 
Okay, so Jenkins is committed to catching people committing crimes of that nature, but does she extend that same kind of energy to police officers who have done things like shoot people while on duty? In her tenure so far, she's dismissed three high-profile cases against San Francisco police officers who did that on camera. Her predecessor, Chase Boudin, charged them criminally. What did she say about that? You know, you've seen a marked shift in the United States you know, over the past decade of more aggressive prosecution of police misconduct, police brutality, and bad police shootings. And so when Chesley Bowie left office, there were a bunch of these cases here. We've seen her dismiss three of these cases. Her argument has been that these were not viable cases that her prosecutors couldn't prove them beyond a reasonable doubt. What I arrived at, and I took my time with those cases because I wanted to review that evidence as well. I'm not just a politician. I I was a trial lawyer. And so for me, that meant assessing the ins and outs of those cases. The first case that we dismissed, the attorney general's office returned a letter to us saying that they would not assume that prosecution because they believed that there was insufficient evidence to prove that that officer had violated the law. And I think that demonstrates that when we looked at that case and we evaluated that case, that we arrived at the right conclusion. A lot of other attorneys, public safety advocates, and criminal justice reformers probably have a pretty different view of those cases. Does she say she is committed to holding police officers accountable, though? Yeah, yes, she did. She also talked about having a family member who died in police custody. I grew up listening to my grandmother talk about having an older brother that died in police custody, who they were told died for natural causes, but who they always believed was killed by the police in the segregated South. So this is a topic that is very dear to me, but I will not use it as a political platform. That was actually the first time I'd heard about that. But then she pivoted and said that she uh, felt the cases that had previously been brought forward were hampered by ethical issues, that they were political prosecutions and weren't really righteous cases. Mm. Now, Sinjin, you asked Jenkins to give just an overall assessment of her first year in office. And she shared with you that When she looks back, there are a lot of things to celebrate, but does she have any regrets? Yeah. So the first time I asked this question, she wasn't willing to make any comments about, you know, areas she could have done a better job in. Then I asked her again and pushed her on it a little bit. And she brought up a case that we haven't actually talked about yet, which is about um, the shooting of Banco Brown earlier this year. Um, Banco was a young trans individual who was accused of shoplifting from a Walgreens on Market Street, got into a tussle with a security guard, and then the security guard shot him. And it raised a huge outcry, particularly from the city's trans community and its LGBTQ community, who felt like this was a completely uh, unjustified shooting and that the, the security guard should be prosecuted. Brooke Jenkins, essentially in the first few days, let him out and said they weren't going to press charges, but also asked police to keep investigating. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, ended up dismissing the charges completely. 
When we talked about that, she she explained that she felt like her office had done a poor job communicating exactly what was happening in a way that the city's residents could understand. I think that the initial communication to the public was a bit confusing to them, which I, you know, sometimes as prosecutors and as attorneys who do this work every day, we have to remember that the things that we say may, might make sense to us who do the work every day, but not to the greater public. Is that the only thing that she said she would handle differently? That's the only thing she talked about. So while Jenkins appears to not have any regrets and say she's doing a good job in the city, you did speak to critics who say the city is actually worse off under her leadership. How? The people I, we spoke to, including civil liberties proponents and people from the public defender's office basically accused her of returning to this ineffective style of war on drugs tactics, right? Which they said, don't really do anything to stop drug dealing or solve addiction and can in fact make things a lot worse and lead to overdoses when people come out of jail. Overdose rates remain very high near record highs or at record highs, that there hasn't really been any fundamental change in crime in San Francisco since she took over. And they pointed to both the shooting of Banco Brown and these other police cases. And for example, one person told us that uh, she's kind of embraced a two-tiered criminal justice system where she goes after the city's poorest and most vulnerable residents and gives police officers a pass. If readers want to go check out our story, we did take a brief look at, at crime trends since she took office, and it's really just kind of a mixed bag. Gun violence and homicides are still higher than when the pandemic began. Burglaries are coming down. Vehicle theft is still high. And petty thefts are right in the middle, kind of back where they were before the, the pandemic. One thing critics seized on, as I said, even by her own metrics, the city is not doing better. So the, the areas that she said were important, they said she has not, not delivered in those key areas. Year one down with Jenkins as San Francisco's DA. Thanks for reflecting on her first year with me, Sinjin. Yeah, my pleasure. St. John Barnard Smith, Sinjin for short, covers City Hall for The Chronicle. His story about Brooke Jenkins' first year as San Francisco DA was written with reporter Mallory Mench. It's online now at sfchronicle.com. This episode was produced with Laura Wenis and Keith Manconi. Thank you to King Kaufman for the edits, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.